I'm continuing in our series, It's Time to Bear Fruit for His Glory. And we've been hearing a lot today about the bearing of fruit in one way or another. My sermon title is Connected Through Love with Purpose. So there's a reason for connecting in the love of God. I'm reading from John chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. I'm in verse 14 and the version is the ESV. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. So this part and this portion of John chapter 15 is Jesus's farewell discourse. He's about to be betrayed. He's about to be put to death. And he wants to speak some final words of wisdom to his disciples. He's got something important to say to them. And that's how you'd feel, isn't it? When you know that you're departing from somebody, you want to say the important things, the key things. He wanted to talk to them about the sort of people that he wanted them to become. The sort of people that would be distinguished from the rest of the world. People that would be known as his followers, as his disciples. Jesus wanted to ensure that the way that they lived would honour him, would bring glory to him and to the Father. He wanted them to be identified as people also who love each other. And in learning to do so, these disciples would change the whole world. So let's look at verses 9 to 11. And if we were going to give it a, a little title in itself, it would be Abide in My Love. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Take a few seconds to think about that. Isn't it amazing? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has been with God from the beginning of, I can't say time because time is something we understand, but from whenever, whatever, however God exists, Jesus has always been with him. So imagine how connected they are. 
how deep their understanding, their relationship is, how deep their love is for one another. It's something that's fortified, it's permanent. It's sealed. And Jesus says, this is the love I have for you, my disciples. That same wealth of love, that same depth of love that the Father gave him. He says, I have this love for you. It's an unconditional love, and we've heard so many things about the love of God, so many messages. We've had so many different ways of understanding and trying to walk out and work out the love of God. But we do understand it is an unconditional love. It's a love that says no matter what we do, we are his. It's a love that says he doesn't remove his love from us. The scriptures say, doesn't it, what can separate us from the love of God? It's a difficult thing to do, to be separated from him. So unconditional is this love that he went to the cross, irrespective of whether we would accept him or not. He took a risk. Will they, won't they? Although he knew everything before, the foundation of the earth. But irrespective, he went to the cross and love drove him there, love took him there. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, remain in my love, live in it, abide in it. Don't move away from it, don't walk away from it. And if he could ask them, if he could command or tell them or encourage them to remain in his love, then that means it would be possible to not remain in his love. It would be possible to leave his love or perhaps to never have been in his love. So I'll give you a couple of scenarios here. Firstly, you could be in a friendship commitment or a romantic one or a ministry one where you have joined with somebody, you believe in them, they believe in you, you make a commitment. That commitment is agreed upon and the love that exists is established. But if one of the parties breaks that commitment, breaks that love, breaks that relationship, it's finished. That's the world. God loves the whole world. He hasn't stopped loving his own creation. But not everyone in the world is his. So that type of relationship is one where God loves and keeps on loving. But there's a choice whether to enter into and maintain a relationship with God, or there's a choice to never, ever enter into that relationship. So he loves from afar in that sense. That's one scenario. The second scenario is one of um, parents to children. Now, people often call this unconditional. Well, it's similar. Um, even if a child messes up, the child still belongs to the parent. And in general terms, the parent looks out for the child. The parent wants the best for the child. It doesn't matter if the child messes up. It doesn't matter if the child has done great things. It doesn't matter if the child has left home and traveled to the other side of the world. The parents still have that one as their child. Everybody knows it's their child. And 
I guess this is why they'll spend time in disciplining, in nurturing, in teaching, so that their child can be the best. And I said that it's in general terms because not everybody's relationship with their children has been smooth and vice versa. And yet, have you not seen situations where there are pretty good family feuds going on? But let somebody rise up against one member of that family and you see how they all come together for that loved one because they're family and they're really loved by them in truth. It's similar, but yet the love of God is still greater than that. It has no conditions at all. It's the most powerful love that we could imagine. Jesus says to his disciples, that is how I love you. Those of us who have believed and trusted that Jesus died on the cross for our sins are in that relationship, that love relationship with Christ already. We've accepted, we have believed, we have said goodbye to our sins as it were. And this is the love that we need to make sure that we're remaining in, that love relationship, that unconditional love that says we're accepted no matter what, no matter what. But yet Jesus says to his disciples, I love you as the Father has loved me. Remain, stay in my love. The question is, how do we remain? How do you stay in the love of God? Verse 10 again says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my father's commandments and just as I abide in his love. So my question is why? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Why? Why does that become a truth? As I was looking in the ESV notes, they have some incredible notes in the ESV um, Bible. I was learning that it says, obedience to Christ is an essential aspect of our faith in him. And it is a reflection of true love for him. And isn't it true when you are, if you have ever been deeply in love with somebody on a romantic level, or you have a friend that the Bible describes sticks closer than a brother. That person asks something of you and you just do it. You do it out of that overflow of affection for them. And, and this is what it's saying here, that our obedience to Christ is essential in our faith in him and reflects our true love for him. So his expectation was that he'd spent time with his disciples and as much as he loved them, they had begun to love him. They had begun to love him. It also says that love is the greatest and only effective motivation for obeying Christ's commands. What else would motivate you to do something for somebody? The highest reason is because you like them, you want to please them, you love them, you care for them. The greatest and effective motivation for obeying Christ's commands is that we love him just as he loves us. So it's not about he commands and we obey. No, central to this is the Father's love. If there is no love involved, it becomes legalistic, doesn't it? 
And when you're in legalism and you're doing something because you'd better do it and it's a ritual, you can get fed up. You can get bored and it will lead to failure. So love is central to obedience and obeying the commands of Jesus Christ. I've been taking some time over this first section, but it's such a command. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. But Jesus also says in that verse, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So Jesus is saying, I kept my Father's commandments. What made him do it? In the flesh, Jesus did not want to go to the cross, did he? Jesus had no desire to put his body through what it went through, to put his emotions through what it went through, to put his spirit through what it went through. But the love of the Father and his love for the world compelled Jesus to go to the cross, compelled him to do it. And this is what he was trying to teach his disciples. He wasn't trying, he was teaching it is love that makes him act. It's love that would take him to the cross and they would see that it was love that did that. And so that should be the same also for us, that whatever we're doing, we're doing it because of our love for Jesus Christ. In verse 11, Jesus gives his disciples a promise. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. If we keep Jesus' commands, then we will know complete joy. We'll get to experience the kind of joy that the Son of God himself experiences in his Father's love. Unimaginable joy. Even when I say the word joy, I begin to feel like laughing. Um, the Bible tells us in Nehemiah 8.10, and it's repeated so many times, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It spurs us on as we obey him. I go back to this over and over again. What's heaven like? Colin preached one day. What do you think heaven is like? He said it's zero resistance to the will of God. You're not resisting anything. You're not pushing against anything. You are at perfect peace, perfectly content. That to me is joy we can have on earth. Jesus is saying, if you stay with me, if you live in me, abide in me, the outcome of that, even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of being rejected because of me, the outcome of that is joy, which is strength. So we should be different. We should be distinguished from the rest of the world, even by our joy. It stands to reason if we're in his perfect will, we'll be full of his joy and his peace. And have you not been in a situation, you're in a, a hostile environment, there's anger, there's dissatisfaction, you're in, perhaps you're in your office, you say a word or you give a smile and it changes the whole atmosphere because you carry this joy of the Lord, you carry something that's different to what's going on in the environment and you begin to bring a change in that environment. I'm sure some of you have experienced that. Hallelujah. He says, keep my commandments. So the question is, we're going to abide in his love and we're going to keep his commandments. 
how do you obey the Lord and keep his commandments? I ask myself a question. Do I continually examine myself on the scale of obedience? The Lord has said something. Have I obeyed today? Have I obeyed um, tonight? Do I obey tomorrow? What, how do I examine myself, myself and what do I examine myself against? We keep his commandments and we remain in him only by knowing what his word says and receiving fresh revelation for our daily living. So when we're reading the words, we're not reading just a historic story. We're reading something that is alive and is ever changing our world, ever changing our thought patterns, ever changing our outlook. It's so important that if we're going to keep his commandments, we have to know what those commandments are. We have to know what his word is saying. We should remain in joy and in love continually. But the only way is to line up with his word. Easily forgive offence. Easily strive not to offend. You're looking for peace. You're looking to be the peacemaker in situations. Letting go of sins. If you're going to obey the Lord then you're going to move away from what in your life is sin because you want to please him. It's talking about, and he's teaching his disciples, when I go, live a lifestyle of knowing my word, of studying my word, of worshipping me, of praying and fellowshipping. Something so key about being in fellowship one with another we have uh, an incredible opportunity in this house to be in fellowship with one another. So if I'm speaking to anybody here who has not yet become part of a cell group, it might take time to build relationship, but get into fellowship, begin to relate, begin to worship together, begin to pray with somebody, and you'll find yourself building each other up You'll find yourself beginning to show each other and work with each other in how you grow together in his kingdom. And here are a couple of scriptures that I pulled out about the power of the word of God and, and how knowing it is what we need to do to keep the commandments of the Lord. Job 23 and chapter, uh, verse 12, Job 23, verse 12, and this is from the Amplified Version. I have not gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed and treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job was saying more than I would put in my body to eat and keep it. His word is treasured. I need his word. We need his word. Jesus knew that his disciples needed to obey everything that they had learned from him when they walked with him on earth. And when he walked with them, they needed to hang on to every word and every word that would be revealed to them through the Holy Spirit, which they had not yet truly experienced. But we have something better. We have the word written. We have the spirit of God within us. We have the rhema of God at work available to us daily. 
that we can obey his commandments. In um, Psalm 119 and chapter 1, there are two verses there which really speak about how important the word of God is as well. And one of the verses says, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So the psalmist here, and it's the Amplified again, knows the importance of knowing and not forgetting the things of God and what the word of God says. Another verse there in chapter one says, this is my comfort and my consolation in affliction, that your word has revived me and given me life. That's what the word of God does. That's why Jesus is telling his disciples, live in me, abide in me, don't detach from the vine. There's life there. Hallelujah, Jesus. The psalmist was revived by his word. If we remain in Christ Jesus, if we remain in that love that he is bringing to us from the Father, remain in his word, remain in his presence, we will know complete joy. We will serve him with joy. And it's such an encouragement to press on with keeping his commands. Now, verses 12 to 14, there's an incredible command here. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus moves here from a general um, area of, of telling his disciples, obey my commandments, whatever I tell you to do, do. He moves and he majors on and focuses on one commandment in particular, we are to be people who love one another. That's easy, isn't it? How are we to love one another? Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. So that same love that came from the Father to the Son and came from the Son to us is that same love that we are to take to one another. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus commands us to love each other, and he himself is the ultimate example of what that means. He died for us. Not only died, but he died the most painful, excruciating death imaginable. Many years ago, I was um, ministering the um, work of the cross at a, an encounter weekend away. And as I was looking through a window, just preparing for my session, I saw a kind of picture of the cross and Jesus hung on the cross. And these were the words I heard. This is my love. Nothing is greater than that, that you lay down your life for your friend. What really amazes me now is that Jesus changes the status of the relationship with his disciples at this point. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. So they're disciples, they're servants, but they're also called his friends. Who are these friends that Jesus laid down his life for? The ones who do what he commands. He commands that we love one another. How do we do that? Being willing to follow his example of dying for his friends. There's something so powerful 
when Christians really do keep this command and really do love one another. There was a, a girl who used to trouble me when I was uh, just a new Christian. I won't go into the details, but she used to trouble me. She was horrible to me all the time, every time we met. And I just kept loving her. It wasn't easy, because I didn't know why she didn't like me. But I just kept loving her, because I was just a new Christian, and I was being taught about the love of God, and I had to learn to love, and I had to practice what I was um, being taught to do. The end result, after about a year, was a letter and a poem from her, apologizing for the way that she treated me. That love of God that I chose to walk in broke down every barrier, every anger, every pain, every disappointment that she may have been going through until we became good friends. Are we willing to really put our lives um, second so that another one of our brothers or sisters prospers? Do we really see this as being at the heart of our Christian lives? And if so, would we organize our time around it and put ourselves out for the sake of others? Are we willing to love those we wouldn't ordinarily associate with? Are we willing, even though we don't get anything back, to keep on loving? Are we willing to um, be the one to apologize, even if we know we're right, so that we're putting them first? Jesus says, as well as abiding in me, you must love one another. So this particular command is key to being connected through the love of God. It's key to remaining with Christ. Love comes to us, we give that back to the Lord, and then we give that to each other. The final um, few verses, verses 15 to 17, speak about going to bear fruit. And this is where we land in what has been such a running theme today with Karen's testimony and, all, uh, and, and, and so much of Colin's message as well this morning, if anybody caught the 9 and the 11, the 11 o'clock. So verse 15 again in the ESV, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Jesus has called us as his friends to do something specific. Jesus has a plan and he's telling his disciples, there's a purpose in you walking in my love. There's a purpose in me drawing you to myself. Jesus says, you're not just my servants, but you are my friends. And I've let you in on everything that the Father has taught me. I've called you with a particular purpose in mind. So connecting with God always comes with a purpose. You didn't choose me, I chose you. We've been individually chosen by Jesus as were his disciples. Now, in biblical times, disciples usually chose their rabbis, their leaders. They would see somebody that um, moved them and that were, was inspiring them, and they would choose to follow. Jesus does the extraordinary. He chooses his 12. 
They didn't choose him, he chose them. And he had one purpose in mind, that they would bear fruit. And that is for all of us as followers of Christ. We have the same purpose that he gave to those disciples, that we should bear fruit. So they were appointed to go and to bear fruit. We are to be fruit bearers. We're connected to love with purpose in our lives. We should have the mindset all the time of wanting to bear fruit. But what, in what way are we bearing fruit and why? There are two aspects to it. First of all, Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence, I'm reading from the Amplified, I love it, the result of his presence within us is love. That's what the world will see, love. Unselfish concern for others. That's how we're to love one another. Joy, inner peace, patience. Not the ability to wait, that, not patience like that, but the, how we act while we're waiting. Frustrated, angry, bad-tempered, or are we showing the love of God as we wait? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We let the Spirit have control. So that's one aspect that when the Lord is saying to his disciples, I want you to bear fruit, he's saying you grow, you show the aspects of me, the aspects of my spirit that are alive in you. Show each other, love each other that way. The second aspect of bearing fruit is the growth in the lives of others. The fruit of seeing a person who is on their way to hell, who is lost, who is without Christ, coming into the kingdom of God, just like Karen was explaining today in her testimony. Bearing fruit that we see people come into the kingdom of God and then we see them grow. So they enter a discipleship journey with us as we are growing and loving each other. We're bringing them into the kingdom of God and taking them on that same journey. It never stops. So that's two aspects of fruit bearing. And in that context, Christ then makes a promise. The Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. If we really have the mindset of wanting to bear fruit for Christ, then we'll find that God really does give us whatever we ask in his name. Because we'll be lined up with his will, aligned with his will, and want to do his will. So we'll be asking for his will. Give me souls for your kingdom, Lord. Let me be a disciple maker. Let me go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all men. As I close today, what have we learned? That our connection with Christ is through his love. Central to everything we are and do is the love of Christ. Not his commandments, but that out of that love, we will want to obey him. Jesus speaks kindly to his disciples. He's appealing to their hearts in that final message before he has to depart. He wants to see them become strong men and in the future men and women who continually become strong in him. We know that when we serve for a considerable period of time, sometimes we can get weary, sometimes we can get tired, sometimes we can get bored. That's because so often we're not doing everything as unto the Lord. 
We have to remain in his love that keeps us fresh and alive and focused and energetic. Do you remember the zeal you had when you were first born again? How you're gung-ho, you want to tell everybody about Jesus Christ, you want to tell everybody what's happened to you. We shouldn't lose that zeal because we should be living in, abiding in that love of Jesus Christ. One purpose, our purpose is to bear fruit for Jesus. So there's a sense today that we're being invited afresh to live in the love of Jesus Christ. Invited afresh to focus on pursuing him with all our hearts, full of his joy and bearing fruit for him as his friends. The Lord assures us that he'll answer our prayers. 